Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 152. Today's big Bible questions. What is an archangel, and how many archangels are actually in the Bible? So, hello, and everybody, happy Friday to you. Because I told a semi-humorous joke yesterday for the opener, I actually feel no terrible pressure today to come up with anything particularly clever or inventive as an opening. Uh, tomorrow, though, will be a different story, I suppose. One bright spot for me, putting less time into the podcast tonight, might just mean that I will clean up my office, which will make my dear wife happy with me. Uh, of course, if she happens to listen to today's pod, uh, about a, I don't know, 38% chance, and I forget to clean up my office tonight when the podcast is over, then I'll actually be worse off than if I hadn't mentioned it at all. Oh, well, I like to live dangerously, I suppose. Today's Bible readings include Deuteronomy chapter 2, Psalms 83 through 84, Isaiah 30, and Jude chapter 1. Now, Jude. (laughs) Now, there is an interesting book of the Bible. Pound for pound, I'd say Jude, which is uh, the fifth shortest book in the Bible, manages to pack in more Bible mysteries and curiosities per verse than any other book. For instance, stealth secret agents of the enemy in verse 4, Jesus saved people out of Egypt and destroyed those who didn't believe in verse 5, angels chained up for not keeping their proper place in verse 6, Sodom and Gomorrah burned up for perversions in verse 7, the archangel Michael in like a fight or a dispute or a contention with Satan over the body of Moses? I mean, wow. Verse 9, the secret agents the enemy mentioned earlier are also dangerous reefs, blasphemers, discontented grumblers, waterless clouds, wandering stars, and selfish shepherds. That's verses 12 through 13. Also, Jesus is coming back with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones, praying in the Holy Spirit and saving sinners by snatching them out of the fire and other things. Add to all of that the fact that Jude quotes pretty much directly from the book of Enoch, one of the most fascinating and actually controversial books from the before Christ period, and you've got one amazing and puzzling and beautiful book of the Bible. I also think Jude has maybe the best ending or the best benediction in the entire New Testament as well, and that is verses 24 through 25. Now unto him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time now and forever. Amen. So let's go read the whole of Jude and then we will come back and discuss the whole issue of archangels. Jude chapter 1 verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are called, loved by God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Dear friends, although I was eager to write you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write, appealing to you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once and for all. For some people who were designated for this judgment long ago have Come in by stealth. They are ungodly, turning the grace of our God into sensuality and denying Jesus Christ, our only Master and Lord. Now, I want to remind you, 
Although you came to know all these things once and for all, that Jesus saved a people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not keep their own position but abandoned their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains in deep darkness for the judgment on the great day. Likewise, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns committed sexual immorality and perversions and serve as an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. In the same way, these people, relying on their dreams, defile their flesh, reject authority, and slander glorious ones. Yet when Michael the archangel was disputing with the devil in an argument about Moses' body, he did not dare utter a slanderous condemnation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme anything they do not understand, and what they do understand by instinct, like irrational animals, by these things they are destroyed. Woe to them! For they've gone the way of Cain, have plunged into Balaam's error for profit, and have perished in Korah's rebellion. These people are dangerous reefs at your love feasts as they eat with you without reverence. They are shepherds who only look after themselves. They are waterless clouds carried along by winds, trees in late autumn, fruitless, twice dead and uprooted. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shameful deeds, wandering stars for whom the blackness of darkness is reserved forever. It was about these that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, Look! The Lord comes with tens of thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly concerning all the ungodly acts that they have done in an ungodly way and concerning all the harsh things ungodly sinners have said against him. These people are discontented grumblers living according to their desires. Their mouths utter arrogant words flattering people for their own advantage. But you, dear friends, remember what was predicted by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They told you, in the end time there will be scoffers living according to their own ungodly desires. These people create divisions and are worldly, not having the Spirit. But you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Have mercy on those who waver. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. So in talking about archangels, I want to read you a little bit of excerpt from my book, Angels, Ghosts, and Other Bible Mysteries, which is available on Amazon, and won the 1948 Pulitzer Prize for Investigative Reporting in Politics. And that book says this, Interestingly, there is only one archangel listed in the Bible, but there are hints that there might be more than one in total. Michael is the only angel in the Bible that is given the title Archangel, which would seem to indicate some sort of hierarchy of angels. Jude 9 says Michael the Archangel, when he was disputing with the devil devil in a debate about Moses' body, did not dare bring an abusive condemnation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. The Old Testament book of Daniel, in referring to Michael as one of the, quote, chief princes, 
might be indicating that there is more than one archangel, though we have no 100% biblical guidance or guarantee that the title of archangel and the title of chief prince are absolutely synonymous. Daniel 10.13 says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me after I had been left there with the kings of Persia. I do note here that the Catholic Church and some of the branches of Christianity consider there to be many more named angels and archangels than just the ones named in Scripture, or just the one archangel named in Scripture, Michael. They also recognize many other titles in hierarchies, choirs, flights of angels, etc., dominions, virtues, powers, but lots and lots of um, various groups of heavenly being, but a lot of that does not actually come from the Bible, but church tradition. Well, better than what we just read out of uh, my book, let's go to theologian Wayne Grudem's systematic theology book. He has a few truths about angels that we haven't fully discussed yet on the pod, and uh, I want to read them to you since he covers our topic today, archangels. And Grudem says, Rank and order among the angels. Scripture indicates that there is some kind of rank and order among them. One angel, Michael, is called an archangel in Jude 9, a title that indicates rule or authority over other angels. He is called, as we've already talked about, one of the chief princes in Daniel 10.13. Michael also appears to be a leader in the angelic army, according to Revelation 12.7-8, which says, Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they were defeated. And Paul tells us that the Lord will return from heaven, quote, with the archangel's call. That's 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Whether this refers to Michael as the only archangel or whether there are other archangels, Scripture does not tell us. Along the lines of names of specific angels, only two angels are specifically named in Scripture. Michael, of course, is mentioned in the Jude, Daniel, and Revelation passages, um, and the angel Gabriel is mentioned also in Daniel 8.16 and 9.21 as a messenger who comes from God to speak to Daniel. Gabriel is also identified as God's messenger to Zechariah and Mary in Luke 1, uh, and the angel answers Zechariah in Luke 1, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Then we read in Luke 1, 26-27, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, and the virgin's name was Mary. One thing we learn from Scripture is that angels can only be in one place at a time. Scripture frequently represents angels as traveling from one place to another, as in the verse mentioned above where Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. That's Luke one twenty six. This is made explicit, says Grudem, when an angel comes to Daniel in Daniel 10 and says, I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. So I left him there with the prince of the kingdom of Persia, and came to make you understand what is to befall your people in the latter days. The idea that an angel can only be in one place at a time is consistent with the fact that angels are created beings. Unlike God, who is omnipresent, that means everywhere at one time, they are finite creatures and therefore limited to being in one place at one time, as is everything else that God created. Grudem asked the question, how many angels are there? 
Though scripture does not give us a figure for the number of angels God created, it is apparently a very great number. We read that God on Mount Sinai came from the ten thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand. That's Deuteronomy 33.2. We also learn that the chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. That's Psalm 68.17. When we come to worship, we come into the presence of, quote, innumerable angels, according to Hebrews 12.22. Their number is more, even more strikingly emphasized in Revelation 5.11, where John says, I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. This expression indicates an amazingly large number from a human standpoint, basically an innumerable assembly of angels praising God. So that was from Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. Now, that said, I realize we haven't given you a ton of information on archangels. There's a reason for this. The Bible gives us very, very, very little to go on in terms of archangels. Very little to know beyond the fact that Michael is one, there are probably others, and archangels are a tier above angels somehow, some way. Now, going much further than that, as some denominations and groups do, is actually kind of going past the scripture. We can speculate. I think that's okay uh, to be sure, but we need to call it speculation, call it what it is. And we shouldn't, we can't, we should know, we can't speculate with authority because our only infallible and authoritative book on the subject of angels and archangels, the Bible, really doesn't tell us very much at all about archangels or exactly how the angel hierarchy is set up or how that works or anything. One day, however, we will know in eternity, and I honestly expect the truth will be more fascinating than any of the theories dreamed up by humans. Deuteronomy chapter 2 verse 1. Then we turned back and headed for the wilderness by way of the Red Sea, as the Lord had told me, says Moses, and we traveled around the hill country of Seir for many days. The Lord then said to me, You've been traveling around this hill country long enough. Turn north. Command the people. You are about to travel through the territory of your brothers, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir. They will be afraid of you, so be very careful. Don't provoke them, for I will not give you any of their land, not even a foot of it, because I have given Esau the hill county of Seir as his possession. You may purchase food from them so that you may eat and buy water from them to drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this immense wilderness. The Lord your God has been with you these past 40 years, and you have lacked nothing. So we bypassed our brothers, the descendants of Esau, who live in Ser. We turned away from the Arabah road and from Eleth and Etzion Geber. We traveled along the road to the wilderness of Moab. The Lord said to me, Show no hostility towards Moab, and do not provoke them to battle, for I will not give you any of their land as a possession, since I have given Ar as a possession to the descendants of Lot. The Emim, a great and numerous people as tall as the Anakim, had previously lived there. They were also regarded as Raphaim, like the Anakim, though the Moabites called them Emim. The Horites had previously lived in Seir, but the descendants of Esau drove them out, destroying them completely and settling in their place, just as Israel did in the land of its possession the Lord gave them. The Lord said, Now get up and cross the Zared Valley. So we crossed the Zared Valley. The time we spent traveling from Kadesh Barnea until we crossed the Zared Valley was 38 years, until the entire generation of fighting men had perished from the camp as the Lord had sworn to them. Indeed, 
The Lord's hand was against them, to eliminate them from the camp until they had all perished. When all the fighting men had died among the people, the Lord spoke to me, Today you are going to cross the border of Moab at Ar. When you get close to the Ammonites, don't show any hostility to them or provoke them, for I will not give you any of the Ammonites' land as a possession. I have given it as a possession to the descendants of Lot. This too used to be regarded as the land of the Rephaim. The Rephaim lived there previously, though the Ammonites called them Zamzumim, a great and numerous people, tall as the Anakim. The Lord destroyed the Rephaim at the advance of the Ammonites so that they drove them out and settled in their place. This was just as he had done for the descendants of Esau who lived in Seir when he destroyed the Horites before them. They drove them out and have lived in their place until now. The Kafturim, who came from Kaftur, destroyed the Avites, who lived in villages as far as Gaza and settled in their place. The Lord also said, Get up, move out, and cross the Arnon Valley. See, I have handed the Amorites, King Sihon of Heshbon, and his land over to you. Begin to take possession of it. Engage him in battle. Today I will begin to put the fear and dread of you on the peoples everywhere under heaven. They will hear the report about you, tremble, and be in anguish because of you. So I sent messengers with an offer of peace to King Sihon of Heshbon from the wilderness of Kedermoth, saying, Let us travel through your land. We will keep strictly to the highway. We will not turn to the right or the left. You can sell us food in exchange for silver so we may eat, and give us water for silver so we may drink. Only let us travel through on foot, just as the descendants of Esau who lived in Seir did for us, and the Moabites who live in Ar until we cross the Jordan into the land the Lord our God is giving us. But King Sihon of Heshbon would not let us travel through his land, for the Lord your God had made his spirit stubborn and his heart obstinate in order to hand him over to you as has now taken place. Then the Lord said to me, See, I have begun to give Sihon and his land to you. Begin to take possession of it. So Sihon and his whole army came out against us for battle at Jahaz. The Lord our God handed him over to us, and we defeated him, his sons, and his whole army. At that time we captured all his cities and completely destroyed the people of every city, including the women and children. We left no survivors. We took only the livestock and the spoil from the cities we captured as plunder for ourselves. There was no city that was inaccessible for us from Aror on the rim of the Arnon Valley, along with the city in the valley, even as far as Gilead. The Lord our God gave everything to us, but you did not go near the Ammonites' land. All along the bank of the Jabbok River, the cities of the hill country, or any place that the Lord our God had forbidden. Psalm chapter 83. God, do not keep silent. Do not be deaf, God. Do not be quiet. See how your enemies make an uproar. Those who hate you have acted arrogantly. They devise clever schemes against your people. They conspire against your treasured ones. They say, come, let's wipe them out as a nation so that Israel's name will no longer be remembered for they have conspired with one mind. They form an alliance against you, the tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gebel, Ammon, and Amalek, Philistia with the inhabitants of Tyre. Even Assyria has joined them. They lend support to the sons of Lot. Deal with them, Selah. Deal with them as you did with Midian, as you did with Sisera, and Jabin at the Kishon River. They were destroyed at Endor. They became manure for the ground. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, and all their tribal leaders like Zeba and Zalmunna, who said, Let's seize God's pastures for ourselves. 
Make them like tumbleweed, my God, like straw before the wind. As fire burns a forest, as a flame blazes through mountains, so pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your storm. Cover their faces with shame so that they will seek your name, Lord. Let them be put to shame and terrified forever. Let them perish in disgrace. May they know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the Most High over the whole earth. Psalm chapter 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies. I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home and a swallow, a nest for herself, where she places her young near your altars, Lord of armies, my King and my God. How happy are those who reside in your house, who praise you continually, Selah. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a source of spring water. Even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Each appears before God in Zion. Lord God of armies, hear my prayer. Listen, God of Jacob, Selah. Consider our shield, God. Look on the face of your anointed one. Better a day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wicked people. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord grants favor and honor. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. Happy is the person who trusts in you, Lord of armies. Amen. Isaiah chapter 30. Woe to the rebellious children. This is the Lord's declaration. They carry out a plan, but not mine. They make an alliance, but against my will. Piling sin on top of sin without asking my advice. They set out to go down to Egypt in order to seek shelter under Pharaoh's protection and take refuge in Egypt's shadow. But Pharaoh's protection will become your shame and refuge in Egypt's shadow your humiliation. For though his princes are at Zoan and his messengers reach as far as Hanes, everyone will be ashamed because of people who can't help. They are of no benefit. They are no help. They are good for nothing but shame and disgrace. A pronouncement concerning the animals of the Negev. Through a land of trouble and distress, of lioness and lion, of viper and flying serpent, they carry their wealth on the backs of donkeys and their treasures on the humps of camels to a people who will not help them. Egypt's help is completely worthless. Therefore, I call her Rahab, who just sits. Go now, write it on a tablet in their presence and inscribe it on a scroll. It will be for the future, forever and ever. They are a rebellious people, deceptive children, children who do not want to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy the truth to us. Tell us flattering things. Prophesy illusions. Get out of the way. Leave the pathway. Rid us of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, the Holy One of Israel says, because you have rejected this message and have trusted in oppression and deceit and have depended on them, This iniquity of yours will be like a crumbling gap, a bulge in a high wall, whose collapse will come in an instant, suddenly. Its collapse will be like the shattering of a potter's jar crushed to pieces, so that not even a fragment of pottery will be found among its shattered remains. No fragment large enough to take fire from a hearth or scoop water from a cistern. For the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, You will be delivered by returning and resting, Your strength will lie in quiet confidence, but you are not willing. You say, no, we will escape on horses, therefore you will escape. And we will ride on fast horses, but those who 
pursue you will be faster. One thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you will flee until you remain like a solitary pole on a mountaintop or a banner on a hill. Therefore, the Lord is waiting to show you mercy and is rising up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a just God. All who wait patiently for him are happy. For the people will live on Zion and Jerusalem. You will never weep again, for he will show favor to you at the sound of your outcry. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. The Lord will give you meager bread and water during oppression, but your teacher will not hide any longer. Your eyes will see your teacher, and whenever you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear this command behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Then you will defile your silver-plated idols and your gold-plated images. You will throw them away like minstrel cloths and call them filth. Then you will send rain for your seed that you have sown in the ground, and the food, the produce of the ground, will be rich and plentiful. On that day, your cattle will graze in open pastures. The oxen and donkeys that work the ground will eat salted fodder scattering, scattered with winning-wing shovel and fork. Streams flowing with water will be on every high mountain and every raised hill on the day of great slaughter when the towers fall. The moonlight will be as bright as the sunlight, and the sunlight will be seven times brighter, like the light of seven days on the day that the Lord bandages his people's injuries and heals the wounds he inflicted. Look, the name of the Lord is coming from far away, his anger burning and heavy with smoke. His lips are full of fury, and his tongue is like a consuming fire. His breath is like an overflowing torrent that rises to the neck. He comes to sift the nations in a sieve of destruction and to put a bridle on the jaws of the people to lead them astray. Your singing will be like that on the night of a holy festival and your heart will rejoice like one who walks to the music of a flute going up to the mountain of the Lord to the rock of Israel. And the Lord will make the splendor of his voice heard and reveal his arm striking in angry wrath and a flame of consuming fire and a driving rain, a torrent and hailstones. Assyria will be shattered by the voice of the Lord. He will strike with a rod, and every stroke of the appointed staff that the Lord brings down on him will be to the sound of tambourines and lyres. He will fight against them with brandished weapons. Indeed, Topheth has been ready for the king for a long time. Its funeral pyre is deep and wide, with plenty of fire and wood. The breath of the Lord, like a torrent of burning sulfur, kindles it. Well, Lord have mercy. May the word build you up, my dear friends. May it point you to Jesus. May he bless you in every way. Good day and Godspeed.